Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm joined once again by my great pal, Evan Etheridge, to talk some Hawks and a little bit of weird Braves news at the end. So uh, yeah, how you doing, man? How you feeling? What's up, man? I'm great. Great. Yeah, not a, we are just talking about this a couple seconds ago off the air, but there's just not a ton going on outside of the Hawks right now, which... Uh, is expected with this time of year with the Falcons wrapping up and you know all the big free agency and trades being pretty much over with in uh, in baseball. So a lot of Hawks in this episode, which isn't a bad thing because I think, I mean, they had a good week, but they really kind of, uh, I don't want to say they ruined it, but <laughs> they had a very less than ideal ending to the week. But uh, we'll get into that later. We'll start off with the positives. Um, which was they won their first two games this week in pretty impressive fashion. Uh, the first one was against the Mavs on Wednesday. Yeah, when, yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday. Couldn't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but a, a nice win over them, 130 to 122 over Luka and the Mavs, and just an awesome offensive performance as they had eight guys in double figures. And uh, that was really just the eight guys they used in the rotation. The only guy that actually played minutes in this game that didn't score 10 points was Jalen Johnson, who only played six minutes. So, I mean, if you played, you know, everybody, every other guy played at least 20. If you played 20 minutes, you're going to score 10 points. I mean, that's just how the offense was going in this game. They were cooking on all cylinders. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the offense has been awesome lately. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? And this really nice win against a good Mavericks team. Yeah, um, so we'll start in the first half a little bit. I, I kind of have a little recap written down. Um, but John Collins was fantastic in the first half. Um, you know, he ended the game with uh, – how many points did he have? I think he had 19 points. 18 of them came in the first half. Um, I mean, he was electric, hitting the three ball. Um, <clears throat> we, Trey actually got hurt. Uh, he, he actually got hurt going in for a layup. He stepped on uh, a cameraman's – foot for a second and and it looked like he kind of rolled his ankle a little bit um it was kind of scary because he had to go straight to the locker room um you know that that kind of scared me for a little bit but he ended up coming back out um and, and continued to play um you know i i don't have many notes from this game other than luca is a baby he, like <laughs> he is such a baby he's he cried and complained the entire game like like it was getting to the point where it was unwatchable, man. Like, like he he was just like even even on fouls on on clear fouls on his teammates, he was he was complaining and, and just I, I don't know, man. It, it was just getting under my skin a little bit. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, he um he's got some interesting. I don't even know if this is how I wouldn't say they're temper tantrums because they're not like full blown temper tantrums. I mean, they it kind of looks like it, but when he freaks out, he like gets real like. You can't see me, but I'm shaking. Like he like shakes his hands at the refs, and he like just like stumbles at him. It's weird. He's a very animated guy when he gets upset, which um it's kind of funny. But yeah, it it definitely can get annoying. There's just some guys like that in the league that are um, used to those calls, and when they don't get them, they uh you know they don't like it, and they uh, express those displeasures. But uh, yeah, piggybacking on what you said about uh, Collins and Trey and them too. I mean, Collins seems he has finally figured out how to make corner threes again, which is very important because. Uh, it took it's taken a while. He has had a very cold start shooting the three this year. And, you know, when he gets open in the corner and he can knock those down, those are very big shots and shots that the Hawks need him to make. And he's starting to make them. 
And uh, as far as Trey goes, stepping on the cameraman's foot, a um, little bit of PTSD from the Buck series a couple years ago. He's kind of had some bad luck <laughs> with stepping on non-players' feet, which is just kind of weird. But he ended up he ended up being fine, coming back in the game. Um, you know, end up being a uh, he ended up being on the injury report for the Knicks game, but he was listed as probable. So it doesn't seem to be anything too serious. Just you know, a little tweak maybe. Nothing's going to keep him out of any games. It looks like. So that's good, but um, yeah, this was a this was a good game, um, good game to watch, entertaining. Uh, we talked about it before, like kind of previewing on the last episode, but uh, Lucas scored thirty, but it didn't like it wasn't a devastating thirty points. Um, you know, it felt like the Hawks kept him in check to a certain degree, in which that's kind of all you can ask for with a guy like Luca, who was just that good. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood ended up cooking a little bit in the second half, but. Nothing to uh, really drag them back into this game, but um, yeah, it's uh, it was just a really good offensive performance. I mean, Dejounte Murray has just been off the chain lately. I mean, his his three point shooting has come alive. He's getting to his spots, and when he gets there, he's just not missing. And uh, talk a little bit more about Trey now. Trey, if you look at the box score, um, we probably don't think too much of. He probably thought Trey just had a less a, a below average game for his standards, but. I thought Trey was awesome in this game, despite only having the 18 points and 11 shots, only taking one three. I mean, he had 12 assists, and he was just all over the place facilitating the offense, finding Murray, finding John Collins, finding Hunter, everybody. Um, and he he was just awesome. I mean, he played the way he needed to play. He wasn't playing hero ball, and that's kind of a problem him and Murray have both had at times this year where they just want to take over and when it's, when, like, it's not necessary and they should be moving the ball around a little more. Uh, but Trey wasn't doing that in this game. He was moving the ball around plenty and, um, you know, he just played really good basketball. And that's – I know his his dad had a good tweet after the game. His dad's very active on Twitter, and he said, this is, like, the player Trey is. Like, when he is going and he is cooking, going right, he knows when he when it's a game like this, a situation like this, and he can kind of step back and let you know, Murray – I mean, he was awesome. Four of six from three, 12 of 18 from the field, 30 points. When he's got a guy like that next to him who's this hot, he can take a step back and just find him – and it just opens up so much for this offense. So you got any thoughts on Trey in this one? Because I, I thought it was just a really impressive performance for him, despite, you know, not going crazy scoring the ball. Yeah, very underrated game for Trey. I, I think this is one of his best games of the year, uh, despite only having 18. I um, mean, he shot 11 times. He was facilitating more than anything. And and that's the kind of player that Trey Young is when when his shot isn't on. I mean, we don't really know if his shot was on or off. He was very efficient is, is what I'm trying to say that night. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of player he is. He can he makes everyone around him better. And when when that's kind of like the learning curve. Uh, when when you uh, add a, a, another superstar like Murray, you kind of have to to give and take some. And you know, as long as he's he's efficient, like getting other teammates involved, you know, we have a great shot at, at winning every single game. And <clears throat> I want to see more of this out of Trey. Um, you know, the offense was just so fluent. Like you said, Dejounte Murray has been on a heater lately. Like he he's been unreal during this little win streak we had. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to see him get more people involved and, and be more efficient with with the ball. Um, you know, it, it was an absolute masterclass from Trey. And yeah, speaking of the win streak, that uh, brought the win streak all the way up to four games, I believe. Yeah, four games. So yeah, I mean, morale vibes were off the charts heading into this Knicks game, which we're about to talk about. Um, and things just kept going good <laughs> with this Knicks game. Uh, we were in attendance. We actually made a quick cameo on Bally Sports South. We were on, we were on TV and we made it. 
Um, so we had to, had to throw that in there because we were on the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> try to get up on the stand with him, maybe do a little uh, Atlanta man live from the game, but it wasn't happening. Maybe next time. But uh, this was a really fun game, a great game to go to. Um, hope you took the over in this game because it was just nonstop scoring for both teams. Both teams were just on fire. I mean, the shooting numbers for both teams are insane. The Knicks shot 59% from the field and 43% from three. And the Hawks shot, let me pull it up, uh, 56% from the field and 38% from three. And they won the game by 15, despite having a little bit worse shooting numbers than the Knicks. And a lot of that was the Hawks took care of the ball in this game. Only seven turnovers from the whole team is very, very impressive. Um, and the Hawks took 100 shots in this game. Like, they were not turning the ball over. They had um, 17 more shots taken in the Knicks. That's how something like this happens. They had more offensive rebounds. All that little stuff on the margins really came into play in this one. Um, but, I mean, this was an even better performance for the offense. Um than that Mavs game where they scored 130. They scored 139 in this game. They scored uh, 30 points at least, or they, at least 33 points in every quarter, which is insane. They had their most points scored in the fourth. They dropped 37. Um, you know, we talked about a lot already, but DeJounte Murray was fantastic. <laughs> Once again, 29 points, 25 shots. Now, probably not as good as he was against Dallas, but still really good. Uh, Trey had more of a larger output scoring in this game, especially to start the third quarter. Um, he was just off the chain. I think he scored the first nine points of the third quarter in general, which is just wild. Um, but he had 27, six assists. Um, wasn't crazy from three, one of seven, but he was um, making his twos, which is good. Um, those were the two main cogs. Hunter had 20. Collins had 17. The pitch in a Kongu had 14. Bogey had 14. He kind of came live in the second half. Um, so just, I mean, an awesome offensive performance. I mean, and it, it was it was just really fun to watch, especially in person. It's the first game I've been to this year, and it was a really good one to go to to see the offense cook like this. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I think you described it perfectly. The Hawks took care of the ball, uh, and the Knicks didn't. Um, uh, let's see. What was I going to say? Golly, I completely lost my train of thought. But, uh, yeah, I was I was going to say the Knicks were shooting 80% from the field at halftime. Like, yeah. They, 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 they were not missing. They were not missing. And and we were keeping the pace up with them a little bit. Uh in transition, we were fantastic. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of turnovers that that turned into points. So, you know, like you said, this was an offensive juggernaut game. Um and, and the Hawks took care of business, man. They they uh brought the win streak up to five right here after the Knicks game. And uh yeah, just an exciting, exciting run we got going on. Yeah, and um, they were actually down at halftime too, uh, down by three. But the, they really just turned things. I mean, turned things around defensively, I should say, at least a little bit in the second half, uh, because they gave up seventy-one points in the first half, which is not a number that's really um, tenable if you're trying to win basketball games. But um, second half held them to fifty-three, which um, it's a lot better. Obviously, twenty-three in the fourth quarter, and they really, I mean, they had their best offensive and defensive quarter in the fourth, and that really just pulled them away. They won the quarter by 14 points. Defense stood up when they needed to. And despite not having a good game overall, they did enough. And when your offense scores 139 points, you don't need to do that much um, on defense to win the game. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, Knicks were really good on offense, but it's not enough when other teams scoring 140 points. So we can move on now to the uh, real damper of the week, which um, – this one is tough. One of the probably, probably, I won't say the worst loss. It might be, I don't know, but a really bad loss to the Charlotte Hornets who are really bad. 
and they were without LaMelo Ball, who is their best player, and the Hawks were at home, and the Hawks led by as many as 19 points. Like, you can just kind of add on and add on, add on all the things that were in the Hawks' favor and all the reasons they should have won this game, and they didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll let you take the floor on this one because I really just want to talk about the end of it and just how that all unfolded. But, uh, yeah, if you got any other thoughts on the um, game as a whole, speak now because <laughs> this one Yeah, was yeah, I, I was ready to just punch my screen, man. Like, we gave up 73 points in the second half, um, and, and they only scored 122. So do the math on that. 122 minus 73. 49, 49 in the first, yeah. <laughs> 73 in the second. I mean, that's just horrible defense. We kind of just let up, it looked like. And uh, Terry Rozier went absolutely nuclear. He had yeah. seven threes in the second half. Like, that was just – he was on one, and we, we didn't have an answer for him, man. He, he was just hitting everything, really. And, uh, yeah, we can talk about the last play, how it unfolded a little bit. Um, I have some critiques, like – so some some criticism that I that I want to share with everyone. So uh, you go ahead and take the take the floor. Yeah, we'll set it up. But before we do that, I, everybody's been throwing around the 19 points in the third quarter. Yeah, that number is bad. But what's even worse is that they led by 17 with seven minutes left in the fourth. <laughs> like that is that's hard. Like I mean, against a team that is as bad as Charlotte, they are after winning this game, they are still only 13 and 34, and they didn't mm-hmm. have Lamelo who is just far and away their best player. They're without Caleb Martin, who is at least like a solid role player. Like they, they don't have much, but I mean, Mason Plumlee too. He had 25 points, <laughs> like, which that's just, that's tough. Alex <laughs> got put on the Mason Plumlee highlight reel, which is not <laughs> something you ever want to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll set the stage for the end of this one because it was, it was tough. So yeah. So the Hawks were winning this game with one second left. And uh, Terry Rozier takes what I would describe as a not good shot in that situation, being down by one point with one second left. It was a very contested three, so much so that it was a foul, um, obviously. But uh, uh, definitely like a deep, deepish three, not a great shot, kind of falling back on his on his back foot. And Jalen Johnson fouls him. Um, there's a lot of people saying that they weren't sure if it was a foul and it probably should have been called. It's. Like, I, I don't know, like, if it's for sure a foul. It probably was, I think. But if you're Jalen Johnson, you just you can't even leave that into the ref's hands to call that. If Terry Roach, we had this discussion weeks ago. Um, the same thing happened in the Bulls game with DeMar DeRozan and Bogey. And Bogey fouled him on a three-point play or a three-point shot. And we did, like, the Hawks ended up winning that game. But we're just say, we send that same situation. If he makes that shot, it's a little bit different because Rogier's a much better three point shooter than Demar. But if he makes that shot, you tip your cap. If that's the shot you want to take, you live with that because that is a great outcome for the Hawks. Him taking that kind of shot, in my opinion. But he fouls him. Rogier makes all three of the free throws and puts the Hornets up by two. Um, but the Hawks still, with one second left, they have a chance. So. Hawks, first step, they call a timeout to advance the ball. Smart thing to do, obviously. Get the ball on your side of the court. Easier to have a play. So they do that. They put in Trey to inbound the ball. And then before Trey even attempts, before they even the clock starts running, or the yeah, the five-second clock starts running, they call the other timeout. I don't know if that they saw on the court to do that, um, but you usually want to keep that timeout in a situation to where you can't get the ball off. And uh, 
That is exactly what happened. After they called the timeout, Trey couldn't find anybody, had to throw the ball off of Mason Plumley's knee and out of bounds that chopped off about 0.4 milliseconds or whatever it was. Um, so still, they still had time for a play, but then on the next attempt, Trey doesn't even get the ball out, five-second violation, and the game is over. So just a complete disaster overall for the whole game overall, but and just a very frustrating way to end it too between the foul timeout usage and the five second violation. So yeah, you said you got your critique. So let's hear them because um, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was just bad all around this game. Second half. <laughs> yeah. If, if we hadn't won five in a row, uh, Nick Millen is flipping burgers right now in a Wendy's. <laughs> like he's out of here, man. Like, so we'll take it back to the, okay. So we're down. Uh, let's see. We were down what 117, 116. And Trey Young takes the ball, misses a uh, layup. Clint Capella tip, tip, tips it in. All right, we're up one now. So Hornets call a timeout. They take Trey Young out for Jalen Johnson for for def- defense purposes. Which that's fine. And, yeah, I don't know if Jalen's the guy. I don't know if Jalen's the guy you want in there, but and they were without bogey in this game too. I forgot to mention that um, mm-hmm. he was kind of like out for load management purposes on the back to back, but. Yeah, I mean, getting Trey off the court there is fine for literally anybody, except for maybe Bogey, who wasn't playing. But yeah, you continue, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tall wing, you know, more, you know, plays better defense than Trey. I'm I'm fine with that. Sure. The one thing you cannot do is foul, especially on a, just a wild three-point shot. Like, Charlotte had no play. Like, they had five seconds to inbound the ball, catch it, and, and run a play. They had time to run a play, but they didn't. They pass it in, and Terry Rozier throws up this wild three-point shot. Like, like you just you just cannot like fa- you cannot foul. That's the one thing you cannot do. And and Jalen Johnson slaps his hand, um, which was actually reviewed after the fact and and ruled ruled not a foul. Um, so you know that's kind of just a just a punch in the gut. Like, you know, we would have won that game, obviously. But um, yeah, Jalen Johnson just you cannot do that. Like, and then to to, to bring it down the floor and, and have one second left to, to inbound and, and score. Why are, why is Trey Young passing the ball in? Why is the shortest guy on your team passing the ball in? Of course, the, of course, the Hornets are going to put Mason Plumlee, who's seven foot, who's a foot taller than Trey, to, to defend the inbound pass. Okay. You call a timeout and then you put Trey out there again. You put him out there again to, to pass it in. I just don't understand what we're doing. Yeah, that that was weird. Um, I mean, Trey is obviously a great passer, but that's just like not like they're obviously going to put plum on him. He's like you said, seven foot tall. Um, and it's funny because I keep mentioning old games, but I mean, this has happened. This situation happened before this year. I think it was again <laughs> uh, the Hawks and the Bulls this year. They played some crazy games against the Bulls earlier this year when AJ Griffin had the uh, throw in. It was the same situation. They put in Trey to inbound the ball, call a timeout, and then Jalen Johnson came inbound the ball and found A.J. Griffin. But they didn't do that. I don't I don't know why. I don't know if Jalen's like filling out a favor in that role or something. Um, but he's like a he's a pretty good guy to do it. I mean, I, I a guy that has some size and some passing ability. I mean you I, like just someone who has more length than Trey. And yeah, it really came into play. I mean it is it is what it is. Um I mean, it's not a good decision. I mean, Nate, between that and the timeouts is bad. But it's just like, uh, yeah, the Hawks have just had some trouble 
with the Hornets this year. I mean, if you remember earlier in the season and back in October, the Hornets blew us out at home. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's just like the, the two of the two of the worst losses of the year are against this Hornets team who are might be they might be the worst team in the league, especially without Lamelo. I mean, it's just, just a really bad loss. I mean, and uh, I forgot to mention this to you at the top, but uh, the Hornets did have a huge rest advantage in this game. The game was on Saturday. The, and the Hornets had had uh, two days off in a row. They hadn't played since Wednesday, and the Hawks had to play on Wednesday and Friday. Uh, I don't know how much that came into play. I'm sure it did a little bit. I'm sure the the Hornets just had way stronger legs than the Hawks this one. The Hawks were probably a little worn out towards the end, but still, it's really no excuse when their team is this bad and you're up by that many. I mean, it's just bad loss, bad taste in your mouth um, of what would have been a great week. It would have been six in a row. You would have been, what, 25 and 22, three games over. Now you're only one game over. It's uh, Let me pull up the standings real quick to see where they are now. I'm in the East. They're eighth right now, half game behind the Knicks for seventh. Uh two and a or a game and a half behind um the heat for sixth. So you're still in a fine position. But um yeah, it's just a real sour taste in your mouth and a game that you definitely should have won against a team that you were a lot better than. So yeah, yeah. I really want that one back, no doubt. You know, it sucks to drop two to the Hornets at home. You know, they're they're just they're just not good. And uh yeah, it's time to start a new win streak. Tonight, yeah, against the Bulls. flip the page. Yeah, they play the Bulls, and I mean, I've I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times already of some old Bulls games this year. But when these two teams get together, some weird things happen. So definitely want to tune in and watch this one because God knows what's going to happen with these two teams. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, eight eight o'clock tonight against the Chicago Bulls. Um, yeah, and this week they got um the Bulls on the road, go go into OKC, and then they come home and play the Clippers. So um, not a terribly tough schedule. Uh, they just they've just beaten the Clippers recently. The Thunder are young and talented, but they're not there yet. And I think the Hawks are better than this Bulls team. Um, but uh, yeah, it uh, should be a should be a chance to have another good week. But um, yeah, the, looking at the last two games between the Hawks and the Bulls, first game one point went in overtime. Second game, the Bulls um, had their tip in with um Iota Sumo to beat the Hawks. So. Uh, yeah, both of those games have ended in tippins, which maybe this one will too. Kind of, kind of weird there, but uh, yeah. You got any uh, final thoughts on the Hawks before we uh, move on in this one? I do. I just want to kind of recap that five game win streak. Um, during the five game win streak, Trey Young and Dejounte Murray have been fantastic. Uh, Trey is averaging twenty four point eight points, nine point two assists per game, two rebounds, and two steals. His his defense has gotten has gotten some better. He's he's picking some passes and. Taking him on fast break. <clears throat> as uh, as for Murray, he's averaging twenty six point four points per game, seven assists, and six point six rebounds a game. Also averaging two steals a game. Um, you know these this duo right 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 now is starting to figure it out, and we're starting to see that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, let's keep it rolling, man. Yeah, and I'm speaking of just like butter knifing out some stats. Murray's last five games, he's shooting fifty five percent from three which it's not bad and it's on six attempts per game so he is scalding hot and yeah we didn't we didn't get to talk about like individual performances really for the hornets game because it was just such a bad loss but murray 26 points went four of six from three he was really good again uh mm-hmm. wasn't his fault really why they lost um because he played well again and uh yeah if he keeps it going keeps playing like this it is uh hawks are looking more scary and scary as these two figured out uh, so, yeah, like you said, it's our new win streak against the Bulls. And uh, put this one in your rear view because this one sucked. But, uh, 
it's um uh, it's gonna happen sometimes you wouldn't like it to be this bad but it's the nba some weird stuff is gonna happen from time to time yeah one more thing the atlanta hawks have actually jumped up to number 11 in the power rankings uh oh wow <laughs> yeah yeah so before the before the win streak they were number 17 so you know six spots jumped up you know starting to get a little bit of credit rolling so good to see yeah people love those power rankings they love talking about them <laughs> it's the number one source of arguments for any sport is when the they release those they're, they're, the comment sections are always nuts so <laughs> i'm sure some people have some things to say about the hawks in that one uh <laughs> But yeah, good call. Good call there. Good pull. Good pull. Hawks are making their way up in the world, and uh, it's good because I mean, they they played well against the Mavs and Knicks, so they deserve some credit. But yeah, just a tough way to end the week. So we'll move on now, and we'll uh, touch on a little bit of Braves news. Um, wasn't sure we we're gonna be able to talk about the Braves at all this week because for a second it looked like there was only one thing to talk about, and it was the Kevin Pillar signing. Uh, he signs a minor league deal, and if he makes the team out of spring training, he'll make three million dollars, which is a little more than those deals usually go for. Uh, the minor league deals usually uh, come with the, if you make the team, you make a million dollars. Like it's usually that, uh, but Pilar is going to get 3 million if he makes a team, which is not like, not like a ton of money, but you know, real money. And the Braves are a team that are, they're in the um, luxury tax right now. And that's just more money added to their tax bill. Um, but it seems that they're willing to take a risk if they think he is capable of making the team. And uh, if they if they think he's suitable enough, that they'll uh, pay the three million to have him on the bench or whatever. But Pilar, he is an outfielder, veteran guy, uh, thirty four years old, can play center field, play all three outfield positions, and has some good defensive numbers in the past. Not much of a hitter, a career seven oh four OPS, which isn't god awful, but uh, not really good either. Um, but yeah, just uh, another guy to kind of put in the rotation for I guess maybe left field of an option out there because the Braves still haven't really signed any, like a, you know, I, I wouldn't say proven. There are some guys that are proven, but a guy that's going to definitely just be the full-time left fielder. So what do you think about this move and uh, the left field situation? Yeah. Like you said, Pilar is a very uh, versatile player um, play any position. Uh, I think he's, I think he's good to have coming up. You know, if you need a bat, you know, early on in his career, he had a little bit of pop, you know, he could hit for average. Um, but, you know, the last couple of years, he's kind of declined a little bit. So, uh, you know, maybe you can have a little uh, little spark in Atlanta again. Um, question. Was he the player on the Mets that got hit in the face? Yeah, his, Jacob Webb hit him in the face, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was really, really bad. And I just yeah. remember how he handled it, how he um, – I think he either called Jacob Webb or he, he went up to him and spoke to him about it. But you know he he handled it very well. Um, you know, kind of kind of letting Webb that know that it's okay, it's a part of the game, and because like something like that could could definitely mess with your head a little bit. And so you know, I think he's a good guy. Um, and so he, he'll be he'll be a good locker room fit if he makes a team. So um, I I, I kind of like the deal. So yeah, it's a it's a fine move. I'm a fan of it. Um, last year he was with the Dodgers. Last year actually, he only played in four games and. I mean, his numbers were bad, but it's only four games. But I think I, he fractured his shoulder last year, so he couldn't play a lot. But he played 42 games in AAA for the Dodgers, and he had a 1.002 OPS. So he destroyed AAA last year. So I'm sure that kind of went into the Braves' thinking of signing him. Um, and he's just an option. He he might not even make the team. He might just get cut during spring training. We never hear about him again. 
But at this point in the offseason, these are the kind of transactions you got to talk about because <laughs> there's not much going on. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, and speaking of left field, I think uh, I saw on um, Dan Zimborski, who does the fan graphs projection models for zips, he has the Braves left field projected for 0.6 war this season. <laughs> Oh, that's stinky. <laughs> Which every other position is like fantastic. Like Harris and Acuna are both predicted for four plus war. I think Riley's predicted for like five. Olsen's predicted for like four. Like everybody's predicted for a ton. The rest of the team is the left field 0.6, which is just bad. Like I don't, that might be the worst position of any team in baseball. I, I can't imagine yeah. there's another team that's worse than that. And the Braves are what? Top three team in baseball, top three roster at least. I mean, at least top five. Like it's pretty crazy. And uh, I mean, there's still some options out there for left field, but I just out at this point, I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to roll the dice with these guys I got between Eddie Luplo, maybe Pilar, Sam Hilliard. <laughs> like maybe Von Grissom <laughs> goes out there. I know, I know. Mark Bowman talked earlier this week. He, out of all the Braves guys, like writers that I trust, he has stayed adamant that the Braves are going to sign a shortstop. And that Von Grissom is probably not going to be the shortstop. I don't know what he's hearing, but he really does have some real um, connections to the Braves. But he said that um, Grissom could be an option for left field. So Elvis Andrews is still out there and he was all over Elvis Andrews early. So if he ends up being right and they sign Elvis Andrews, maybe they want to throw Vaughn out there because he might be a better option than the guys they got right now. So, yeah, you got any uh, thoughts on this before we talk about little non-baseball Brave stuff? No, yeah. Uh, Mark Bowman keeps throwing out Elvis Andrews. You know, he's been doing it all offseason. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think it's a horrible option. I think it's kind of like a veteran move. Um, you know, he would definitely help uh, Grissom play, uh, like learn the position a little bit better if he, if he was to come there. So, you know, if, if he wants to fill that gap and, and move Grissom out to left, I'm sure Grissom could pick that position up as well. Like he's super young and athletic. So I, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't, dislike the move at all but i think this is what we've got i think we i think our team is set for now and um yeah i just don't i just don't see anything happening really honestly yeah i mean it's, and that kind of goes for the league in general it's i think every big trade's been made pretty much every every big free agent's off the board so yeah we can uh we can move on talk about something that um i won't say broke it's not like official news yet um but uh Chip Carey might be headed to the Cardinals to be their play-by-play guy, which is uh, not not a baseball thing, but it's that's big Braves news. Chip Carey has been around for a very long time, 10-plus years, being the Braves play-by-play guy. Um, kind of a divisive guy, I guess you could say. Some people love him. Some people hate him. I think he's fine. Um, he gets him and uh, his, I don't know, old man yelling at a cloud stuff can get on your nerves from time to time, but I think generally he's a fine announcer. Um, but uh, yeah, what do you think about this? Cause it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's good. If he doesn't have going to St. Louis, which I think I saw that him and the Mariners broadcaster, which I can't remember his name off the top of my head, were the last two or the last two guys I've interviewed and the Mariners guys out that he said that he didn't want to do it. And he's staying in Seattle. So it kind of seems like he's, he's probably going to get this job. So what do you think about this? And um, you got, do you have, do you have any, uh, replacements off the top of your head <laughs> yeah so i'm willing to do a chip carry trade for jack flaherty uh that's that's my only underlying mm. uh clause in the trade um okay. but no chip carry <laughs> chip as much as much crap as i give chip carry like his voice just rings braves baseball and like yeah. 
that's what we grew up on. And, you know, dozing off on the couch, listening to Chip Carey, something about it is just so peaceful and, and just, it's, it's just memories really. Um, you know, you know, I give him a lot of crap because some of the things he says, like he's just very repetitive and, but, but he's super passionate about it. And, you know, I, I would hate to see him go as, you know, I, I, honestly, there's a couple replacements that, that I would be okay with like Brian Anderson uh, with the Dodgers. Like he's fantastic. I love him. Uh, any playoff game that we have him, I'm, I'm tuned in and, and, you know, the more and more I like him. So, um, you know, I think, I think there's a good possibility he goes like he grew up a Cardinals fan because his, his grandfather, Harry was the uh, announcer. Um, so, you know, this wouldn't be a surprise to me. I mean, you know, there's some in-house guys like Ben Ingram that I've, that I've heard. Yes. Ben Ingram. He can, That's my he, pick. <laughs> he has a great voice, man. And, and he's really cool. So I, I, I could see him taking over for chip if, if he decides to leave. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Ben Ingram train. Um, you know, yeah, it's like you said, if they could get, they're not going to be able to get like Joe Davis from the Dodgers or Brian Anderson. I don't think. I think those guys are pretty locked in where they are, where they're at. Um, but Ben Ingram, I love listening to the Braves radio broadcast. I think he's fantastic, and I think him and Frank Coor would be a great pairing. Um, I think he's better than Chip. No offense, Chip, but I think Ben Ingram's just that guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure people, some people are celebrating, some people probably aren't happy. Um, and this isn't this is not um, for sure. It was uh, some St. Louis newspaper reported this, um, but it seems like it could definitely happen. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see if this ends up being a real thing, if it ends up um, really happening and uh, see who's going to be the announcer. And uh, did you did you see I know, um, they had Braves Fest on Saturday or whatever? Sat- yeah, I think it was Saturday. Did you see they're having like tryouts for the uh, stadium announcer in there? Yeah, I heard about it after the fact. Otherwise, I would have showed up and done my best uh Ronald Acuna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, I know I know Spencer Strider went in there and did it and he was actually very good at it, which is uh was pretty funny. And uh there there was one guy, um I don't know obviously I don't know his name, but there's a video of him on Twitter um circling around and he was really good. I, I think it's just like anybody could go up there and do it, which is pretty awesome if you were just a fan and just walked up on that and you get that. I don't know how well that pays, but it's still just a cool thing to do. Um, but th- that guy was awesome, and I would love for him to hire him. So, yeah, Braves got a lot of uh, maybe some new voices. Um, if you go to a Braves game or watching a Braves game or even listening, because if they promote Ben Ingram, they're going to get somebody else to do the radio. So it's a whole revolving door of who's going to be talking while you watch the Braves games. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just kind of an interesting thing there. So, yeah, that's all That's all the Braves stuff we got. Um, we're kind of in a cold spell for anything besides Hawk stuff right now. Nothing going on with the Falcons as the NFL playoffs go on. Um, maybe some defensive coordinator stuff soon with them. Maybe Vic Fangio, Brian Flores. One of those two guys would be sick for D.C. But, yeah, really nothing else going on um, except for the Hawks. So hopefully they can keep playing some good basketball. So you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? I don't, man. I don't. Yeah, I think we covered it all as much as we could. Got as much in there as we possibly could in this one. So, uh, yeah, if you made it this far listening, we really, really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with a new one. 